Hello everyone, so I decided for the very first time I'm going to be doing totally off the dome episodes, meaning I talk from the top of my head, I don't write, I don't read, and I'm going to be doing my own episode descriptions, I'm no longer going to be copying, pasting from other sources. I'm going to be using myself completely as my own source. And last thing before I start the episode officially is that I will be doing readings, but very little for the most part. I'm going to just freestyle from my heart with my head in concert together. Let's go. So I decided today that we're going to be discussing sex today I'm gonna give you new insights so you won't get bored I walked away from should I say I ran away from the sexual brainwashing that I was instructed to live by. Today, at 12 a.m. this morning, East Coast time, in North America, I stopped viewing mainstream pornography. And I also stopped self-ejaculating via masturbation to mainstream pornography. Why did I do that? Because I had to recognize that in the majority of mainstream pornography, I said majority, I didn't say, I didn't say all, I said majority, meaning most. In the majority of the mainstream pornography, there is narcissistic voyeurism, narcissistic exhibitionism. sociopathic voyeurism, sociopathic exhibitionism. Psychopathic voyeurism and psychopathic exhibitionism. Then there's psychopathic voyeurism, psychopathic exhibitionism. And I noticed that there was narcissistic sensuality sociopathic sensuality psychopathic sensuality and psychopathic sensuality then there was narcissistic eroticism sociopathic eroticism psychopathic eroticism and psychopathic eroticism then there was narcissistic kinkiness sociopathic kinkiness psychopathic kinkiness and psychopathic kinkiness. Then there was being narcissistically energetic, being psychopathically energetic, being being psychopathically energetic, being psychopathically energetic, being sociopathically energetic, right? I saw, I noticed the narcissistic shape-shifting, sociopathic shape-shifting, psychopathic shape-shifting, and psychopathic shape-shifting. And then I noticed I saw sexual totalitarianism Sexual authoritarianism, sexual dictatorships, sexual dictatorial regimes.
sexual control freaking. Sexual. Subjugation. People being sexually domineering. People being sexually overbearing. Sexual degradation. Sexual decimation. Sexual disposability. People being sexually Orwellian. Sexual demonization, sexual dehumanization. Sexual reification. Sexual self-objectification. Narcissistic objectification, sociopathic objectification. Psychopathic objectification, sociopathic objectification. Narcissistic dehumanization. Sociopathic dehumanization, psychopathic dehumanization, psychopathic dehumanization, and lastly, um, I saw narcissistic commodification, sociopathic commodification. Psychopathic commodification and psychopathic commodification. Those are all the reasons why I let go of mainstream pornography. That's number one. Number two, I last um, masturbate jerk off to Balesa, you know, let's go porn um, at 12 p.m. East Coast time today. Last time I jacked up to. So, I no longer, I mean, I love the concept of ethical porn, and I love the concept of ethical erotica, and I was able to talk to um, a very close person to me in my inner circle, and we both agreed that The porn and erotica that exists in the world today was not designed for us compound sexual oppression survivors. It wasn't designed for us intersectionality of abuse victims. Um, None of the sex and adult films, majority of them, are sexually therapeutic. None of them are well, majority of them are not erotically therapeutic. Most of them are not sensually therapeutic. Most of them are not
most of them are not are most of them are not kinkily therapeutic most of them are not energetically therapeutic most of them are not shape-shiftingly therapeutic um at all so I had to make a decision to live life without porn and erotica even though I'm a pro-porn person meaning I'm a pro-ethical porn person I'm a pro-ethical erotica person I'm a pro-erotica person there is I have not been able to see any porn erotica that is tailor-made for us rape survivors molestations us molestation survivors us sexual assault survivors us sexual abuse survivors us sexual harassment survivors us sexual violence survivors us sexual bullying survivors us groping survivors us grooming survivors us pedophilia survivors us statutory rape survivors us fraudulism survivors us scatologia survivors us street harassment survivors us gang rape survivors us serial rapist survivors us incest survivors us bestiality survivors us sexual trauma survivors us sexual victimization survivors us adultery survivors us online affair survivors us extramarital affair survivors us sexual affair survivors us emotional affair survivors us romantic affair survivors us hypersexuality survivors us being promiscuous because of the rape we went through survivors I'm pro-ethical promiscuity I want to say that on record but I'm just saying that um, the porn and erotica that exists doesn't cater to us casual sex out of uh, out of sexual out of sexual deep distress that we endured as children survivors now I'm pro-ethical casual sex I'm just giving you distinctions and um, that's how I came to that conclusion that um, I tried finding porn and erotica that gave me a sexual sense of belonging. I have that in me, but it's nice to see adult films that reflect that too. I don't have to reflect it by myself. But porn erotica in the society today doesn't give us rape trauma syndrome survivors a sexual sense of belonging, an erotic sense of belonging, a kinky sense of belonging, 
a sensual sense of belonging, a shape-shifting sense of belonging, and an energetic sense of belonging. Um, the pornerotica causes us to feel sexual inhospitality, sexual exclusion, erotic inhospitality, erotic exclusion, um, sensual inhospitality, sensual exclusion, kinky inhospitality and kinky exclusion, energetic inhospitality, energetic exclusion, and um, shape-shifting inhospitality, shape-shifting exclusion. So, as for, okay, do I masturbate without adult films? Um, well, very rarely now, because ever since I decided to no longer jerk off out of the hypersexuality, the traumatic hypersexuality of my past because of the hypersexual rapes surviving I was enduring back then. I barely feel horniness now. It's, I don't, it's not because of a low sex drive and it's not because of trauma having me have a low sex drive. It's I don't force myself to be horny anymore. Um, I don't force myself to desire sex anymore. I let the desire come on its own without me trying to make it come alive. No pun intended. I feel that way because... I've learned that I was forced to live a to I was forced to live in sexual unnaturalness, erotic unnaturalness, kinky unnaturalness, shape-shifting unnaturalness, sensual unnaturalness and energy and shape-shifting unnaturalness. I'm learning that now and forevermore I live a life of sexual naturalness, erotic naturalness, kinky naturalness, shape-shifting naturalness, energetic naturalness. And so the one of the big reasons why I was watching a lot of porn and having a lot of sex back then was because I felt like I was the black, ugly duck, duckling. I felt like I was the autistic, ugly duckling. I felt like I was the queer, ugly duckling. I felt like I was the abuse survivor, ugly duckling. So I felt that I was ugly in more than more ways than one. And I overcame the ugly duckling feeling because I felt like, well, the only reason why all these women and a little bit of these men having sex with me back then is because they felt sorry for me. I felt like I, the only sex I could ever have in life was charity sex, uh, pity sex, mercy sex, expedient sex. I felt like, and if he had sex with me, he must be drunk or high. I didn't feel like I was worthy of free, sober sex. Even though that happened, a part of me was like, they can't be fully sober because I'm I'm an ugly duckling when it comes to my race, my gender, my sexuality, my disability, and overcoming compound abuse. And I no longer feel those ways about myself um, because I had to rewrite 
the metaphorical literature that I was given by trauma, I threw away that book, burned it metaphorically, and now I write myself an entirely new book where all the words are written by me and none of the words are written by the traumatizers metaphorically anymore. Um, What I decided to do is also understand that I it's okay not to be horny all the time. I told myself that today. I said, self, your human beingness is not predicated upon the levels of sexual yearnings or even at times lack thereof. It's okay not to want sex all the time. It's okay not to want to masturbate all the time. It's okay not to want to watch porn all the time. It's okay not to want to be erotica all the time. It's okay not to have wet dreams all the time. It's okay not to have sex dreams all the time. I had them a lot when I was younger. The wet dreams, sex dreams, because I was the ugly duckling feeling. And there were times where, and I got to be more honest, that um, I tended to imagine myself and the rapist raping me as a five-year-old and some of the wet dreams were wet nightmares and nocturnal emission nightmares and sex nightmares because for some of us um, sexual brutality victims sometimes the rapes that you endured in real life will show up unconsciously subconsciously while you're asleep that doesn't happen to me anymore but it used to a lot when I was a college undergraduate and occasionally as an adolescent um but it hasn't happened to me anymore because I have truly done the psychological labor to focus on living a life where every all things my sensuality is wholesome, all things my eroticism is wholesome, all things my sexuality is wholesome, all things my shape-shifting is wholesome, all things my kinkiness is wholesome. And all things might be energetic is wholesome. Um, my sexual past, there was unwholesome kinkiness, unwholesome sexuality, unwholesome sensuality, unwholesome eroticism, unwholesome kinkiness, and unwholesome energetic, unwholesome shape shifting. Don't get me wrong. Um, I never broke any laws. I never committed any sex crimes. Never have. Never will. Um, but what I'm saying is, is that, um, I did not know how to fully obliterate the nonsensical concept of turning women into quantity measures. In, in, in layperson's terms, I was taught have as much endless sex as you possibly can with as many endless women as you possibly can. It was infuriating to my body my heart, my mind, my soul my memories because whenever I didn't have sex with a woman back then subconsciously I felt that I must be subhuman I must be unmanly that doesn't automatically mean I'm a woman I just didn't feel like 
am I not being a good man right now? Am I not being good at being a man? Those thoughts popped in my head periodically. But then I was, I would just push those thoughts away because I was so offended that those thoughts came to my head. I would just push them to the side and ignore them as my ability. And my way of fighting that was saying to myself, whenever I talk to women at that time, you know, I don't try to have sex with them. I just don't. Um, usually I'm very careful about talking about that with some women. Not everyone wants to talk about it with every guy, which makes complete sense to me. But, you know, honestly, at the time, you know, at the time even now, I, I, I treat women as friends or as acquaintances. I don't compliment every woman because some women don't want every guy to compliment them. Not all women are monolithic. No no woman is monolithic. The women community are not monolithic, right? But some women, it, it depends on the vibe. If I get the vibe that you're just seeing me as somebody to be cordial with, I will give you cordiality. Now, if you're like, man, we have this brother-sister vibe. I get, you know, that's that's what we have and we keep it that way. Or if it's more of, hey, you're my true friend. You're like my best friend. We keep it that way. Or if it's, oh, we're 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 your awesome coworker, awesome colleague. We keep it that way. Or if it's like acquaintance, associate, we cool, but we not close. We keep it that way. Or if you like a talk buddy, you know, I talk to you for a few minutes every now and then. We keep it that way. The only way it becomes romantic or sexual, they have to communicate that to me. That's how I am. If you're sent, if you want it more than friends, you have to be the first to tell me because. Even though I can make my feelings known, I don't do that to every woman, of course, because I'm not a male pig, right? But some, it you know, it's kind of like when I get that feeling and they get that feeling, sometimes to help them out, I just say, well, have you ever thought of us going to this place and we talk? It's like... Hinting at like a date, you know, pl- you know, places to go or couples go, but I say it in a very like break the ice kind of way where she knows where I'm going with this, but I'm very clever but wise about it. Like I'm working my way up, and her answer will dictate if it's if it happens or not. So that's just how I am. Um, I can... I am okay with a woman seeing me checking her out, but I don't do it creepily. I don't do it menacingly. It's just like a... It's like glancing at a painting at a museum. That's how I look at women that I find to be biologically... jovial to me I you know I just like a painting like a sculpture but the way I do it they feel a sense of it assists with their female empowerment like okay a good man I am wonderfully enchanting to him in terms of the interior and the exterior. That's how I am. Um, I don't ogle or stare at women, no. But I do in a way where it's like, yes, I admire your artwork. And I do adore your artwork. I'm very poetic about it. 
Now, in regards to sex, too, um, before I go any further, I I love adult films. I just wish that they were adult films that made me and my other survivors feel like that despite what we endured that adult films can aid in our 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 sexual recuperation our erotic recuperation our kinky recuperation our um energetic recuperation and our um, shape-shifting recuperation, I still have a desire to star in, direct, produce, and make sexual surrogate partner therapy adult films. I've learned whatever I don't see, I have to create myself, and I'm going to be doing that. Um... When that time comes. For real. Um, And at at the same time. Getting back to. This topic I want to tell y'all about. um, You know when it comes to. How I am sexually. I don't let. Most people show me their sexting, their um, their adult material, whether it's on their technology, whether it's a part of their literature. I don't. It used to happen to me a lot when I was younger. Guys wanting to talk about the women they was with. It happened to me a lot as an undergraduate um, in college, but I just don't let that happen to me anymore because some of the guys were lying. And even when some of the guys were telling the truth, you can tell that they had hyper-masculine sexuality They had queerphobic sexuality. They had misogynistic sexuality. They even had misandry sexuality too. That toxic masculinity sexuality. So I was also able to reflect on my past and say, okay, If I'm shown something, I now ask before you show me, does she know that you're showing me this right now? Because usually guys are heterosexual. Or if the guy is gay, does he know you're showing me this right now? Or who do y'all show this to and not show this to? Or... If you show me this, will it make me think well of you or bad about you? Will it make me think well of them or bad about them? You know, and the last thing I ask is, do y'all understand privacy, confidentiality? And are y'all respectful of each other about these things and each other in general? So those are the kind of questions I ask now. I taught myself to ask these questions regarding um, privacy around sex, confidentiality around sex, and secrets around sex. I really taught myself. I also taught myself if people go in graphic sexual details like is this person comfortable with you sharing that? 
did they say you could share that? So I asked that too. Um, I'll, I, it's like, for me, this is how I am now. Uh, for me, um, I decided that if somebody does show me that, I may glance a little bit. If it's a person that has shown to be reputable and their partner don't care, and they know it stays with me and nobody else, then I'll glance, watch a little bit of them, then I'll be like, all right, I'm good. Because I don't want to see too much. Like, okay, that's what y'all do. Okay, I'm good. But it won't It won't happen all the time, every now and then. Okay, thanks for showing me. And we move forward. Not in a parading humans around kind of way. Not in a treating humans as Olympic gold medals, not in a treating humans as Oscars, as Emmys, as Tonys, as Grammys. It's not that. It's more It's more like we're all in on it. We're all cool with it. It doesn't gross us out at all. Show it to me a little bit. Okay. All right. And move forward. But it's all respectful. It's all man. It's all well mannerable, too. And nobody's being blasted at all whatsoever. So now you're wondering. um, I even stopped watching hot uh, sex scenes in uh, movies and television because I I couldn't find any sex scenes in movies and television that catered to the healthy sex after rape experience that. I am embarking on for myself. So I love sex scenes and movie television, but I couldn't, I I haven't found any that catered to um, healthy sex after adultery. And lastly, I couldn't find any sex scenes that catered to. Healthy sex after the 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 chaotic hypersexuality of one's previous existence, and um, there's healthy hypersexuality. So I don't demonize that. What I'm saying is that the hypersexuality I was engaged in was looking back on it, it was sexual self, it was sexual self abasement, it was sexual self harm, sexual self neglect. Sexual self-abuse, sexual self-trauma, sexual self-victimization, sexual self-oppression, sexual self-brutality, sexual self-violence, sexual self-destructive behavior, sexual self-hatred, um... Sexual self-abandonment. And sexual self... Betrayal, too. 
I was taught all these things by the sexual traumatizers of my past. It was sexual self-slavery too. Treating myself as a sexual self-play toy, a sexual self-play game. Treating myself as a sexual self-shiny object. Lastly, you know, I was also taught these things by the sexual traumatizers. Um, when I look back at what happened to me, I also look at the fact that when I was in college, there were women that would gather around in other women's homes and apartments because word got out that I was the male adult entertainment, the male stripper. So the women crowd size kept increasing. It went from um, small enumeration to overcrowded enumeration so every woman in the women's apartments women's homes meaning women's houses in order to be the male adult entertainment you had to do more than just male stripping it also required you to be the sex partner of every woman there because they're like well if we're going to if you're going to strip tease us and get naked for us then you have to meet our womanly biological needs so what occurred was was that I would do the strip teasing. I would work the pole. They would, I, I would lap dance them. They would throw dollars and coins in my direction. And, and I would do stripper role playing. Whatever the role they wanted me to play, I played. Every role that you think of that I can play in terms of a stripper role-playing, I did it all and then some. Sometimes they would have me just walk around nude or walk around half-naked, usually nude. And that was a part of the stripper male stripper performance I was doing. So therefore... Um, Sometimes in the middle of my stripper performing, strip teasing, they all would physically charge at me. And I would have to have sex all of them, which I did. Other times, they waited till I was fully finished with my stripping performance. And that's when sometimes I would have sex with them one at a time. Usually, it was a gigantic, gigantic orgies. It would be several orgies, but I would have sex with all of them, collectively and individually. I remember... um, within my upbringing. Well, what's the best way to put it? Oh yeah, college, college. I remember 
So if there were 10 women in these apartments, in these houses, a piece, that means you couldn't just strip and go home. You had to strip, have sex with all the women, and then you could go home. So 10 women means I had 10 sex partners. Then it kept growing exponentially. 20 women, right? So let me go back. So I had to do strip, I had to do male stripping for 10 women. That means I had to have sex with 10 women, all of them. I could not leave one woman out. Then it then it went to 20. I had to sh- male strip for 20 women, sex with all 20 women. Then it went to 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. After one hundred and fifty, I lost count. It became overcrowded, so I had to have sex with all the women. Sometimes I was physically exhausted, but I had enough stamina and energy to sexually please all of them. I had enough stamina and energy to give them all full body orgasms, multiple full body orgasms. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you the facts. And it it kept increasing and they all were like, we're not leaving until you have all of us screaming for pleasure, for mercy in a good way. And we're not leaving until you we had we all have vaginal sex with you, anal sex with you, oral sex with you. So it just kept increasing and never stopped increasing. So I um the women when they would have these um group sex sessions with me I had to you know they would provide a lot of condoms and a lot of lubrication back then so I had to constantly be in physical shape and spiritual shape for them because they all wanted um, the sexual version of Incredible Hulk smash pun intended They wanted athletic Olympian type of sex. They wanted that super freaky, super nasty, hardcore porn type sex, verbally, not verbally. They all wanted that. And I'm not te- I'm not violating anybody's privacy. I'm not violating anybody's confidentiality. Um, because they were pretty open about themselves sexually. So what I'm saying to you publicly, I know they wouldn't be angry because they said, Hey, we know you're gonna be a public figure famous person, so I don't mind you sharing what we did. So I'm practicing what I'm preaching, secularly speaking. Um, And I'm sharing these things because a lot of people don't understand the struggle to have holistic sex despite the repugnant sexual marginalization of one's forced upon sexual past. And I'm being honest about that. I remember how it all came about for me to be a male stripper, I'll tell you. 
They didn't want just a male stripper. They wanted a drag queen, too, so I had to do both. That Those were their two aphrodisiacs regarding me. Um, so, yeah, I, I had the lipstick, the wardrobe, and the physical appearance of what one would stereotypically assign to women. And I had, you know male stripper physical appearance you know g-string that was it and i wore whatever they put on me in terms of role playing so one day i was with them how did i meet them well because i was constantly out and about walking and just being around Leesburg, you know, and went, and women who would usually drive up on me because I was super duper sexy to them. So, you know, and this is the first time they meet me, they would say, they would have me get in their car with them because they're like, well, it's obvious you know what we're gonna do once you get in my car. So sometimes we would have sex in their cars it could be in the driver's seat, the passenger seat, the back seat, and all the seats in the car. And sometimes we would pull over the car and have sex. Sometimes we would go in the bushes. Sometimes we pull over to the side of the road and have sex. Sometimes we have quickies. Sometimes we have full-blown sex for a long time in the car. Um... We would pull over on the side of the road where not a lot of people were driving. So we would pull over by the outskirts of town and in a place where people weren't really checking for other people. So we pulled the side of the road, like on the highway and just kind of try they would drive to a place where it was very discreet you really couldn't see people like that when you have sex and um i do remember um also they would say hey let's go to my friend's house or let's go to my co-worker's house my associate or acquaintance's house and um it would be other women there. And one day, I remember the day, we're all asking, um, so who's going to be our male adult entertainment? Because, you know, I thought of the male, you know, strip clubs with the men in it, but, you know, I don't feel like constantly, um, having to be in those clubs because a lot of the men like to sexually harass the, you know, they like to sexually harass the strippers and a lot of the women want to sexually harass the male strippers and, you know, I don't mind us grown folks having our grown folk and our grown folk fun, but I don't feel like having to call the police and prosecute people. I just want to have my, my our, our grown folk fun without anybody going to jail, without anybody being harassed. So they were all trying to figure out, okay, how we're going to have our male adult entertainment. But those clubs have a reputation for sexually harassive patrons. You know the strippers are oh, the strippers are respectful, but the the patrons are not. So I, without thinking, I just raised my hand, and I said, "Well, I'll just, I'll try it." And I said, and my exact words were, "I'll try it for you, ladies." And they, their faces lit up. I mean, tears of joy 
hugging on me, feeling on me sexually. Like, my whole face covered in lipstick and kissed me on the lips, like making out with me out of excitement. Tongue kissing, yeah. So, I said, well... I even told them, and I wasn't trying to brainwash them when I said this. I don't think I did. Because I said, well... If y'all don't like it, please be nice to me knowing that I tried to make y'all happy. Those my exact words to them. And they said, we will never be dissatisfied with you. If at your maximum effort, that's one of the reasons why we're super duper attracted to you. To you, you know. And then I said, well, ladies... I'll do it for free. You don't have to give me money. I just want your company. I I prefer I put your company over money. They appreciated that, but they said, "We'll just give you what we have." So they paid me every time. Dollars, coins, I took whatever they had. If they didn't have a lot, I took it. If they had a lot, I took it. If they had some, like, in between in the middle, I took it. I didn't want to, but eventually they're like, you know, this, you know, we have we have to be kind, as kind to you as you are to us. So that's how it all started. Every time they felt like having a grown folk fun, I would mail strip in women's apartments, women's houses, and the orgies. And the solo sex between myself and women, orgies myself and women, that's what would commence. Um, I'm not bragging, but I do feel like I have to tell the truth about how there are people like me who... We're not trying to be sexually colorful, we're not even trying to be sexually edgy, but... When you are healing from rape and you start to have sex, a lot of sexual risque conduct occurs. Um... I remember sometimes they I remember some of the women sometimes we we would have sex in hotels, sex in motels. That was a turn on for them. But for the most part Women would take me to their apartments and homes. And we would have sex in every room of their apartments and every room of their houses. Lots of condoms and lubrication every time. Each and every time. It was a sexually exhausting time for me. It was a soulfully exhausting time for me. It was it was an intellectually exhausting time for me. It was a psyche exhaustion time for me as well. I want y'all to stay tuned because I have part two of what will sex be like moving forward for me? What will sex be like for me moving forward? So this is not the end, folks.